Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. It's episode 362. We've got a small knowledgeable and powerful panel. Um, I'm going to let them introduce themselves. First, uh, a recently regular panelist, Jack, who would like to introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers? Sure. Um, I'm Jack, and I'm a WordPress plugin developer. I've been a designer and been working with WordPress for about 10 years. And right now, I am working on plugin WP Fusion, which is a system that connects WordPress to marketing automation systems. And they're a great sponsor of the show, and their sponsorship and support is most welcome. Um, John, um, tell people about yourself. Sure thing. My name is John Locke, and my business is Lockdown Design and SEO. We help manufacturing and industrial companies with SEO, so they get more RFQs. And Spencer, like to introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers. (laughs) Spencer Foreman from WPLaunchify.com. We help people with WordPress membership sites using marketing automation. And by the way, I want to say John's microphone sounds fabulous today. So I'm thinking that's a new microphone. No, same one. He must must have tweaked something. It sounds like... He's got got your volume turned up, Uncle Spencer. (laughs) (laughs) He's He's put his hearing aids in. Uh, yeah, that's true too, yeah. Yeah, new batteries. Yeah, new batteries. It always helps. And I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We support learning management systems, membership sites. Basically, we do everything for e-learning entrepreneurs to get the results that they're looking for for their online businesses. And that sounds interesting. Go to the WP Tonic website. Um, also, folks, I've been sick as a dog all week. I was um, So if I pass out halfway through this show... You understand. And I'm just going to make John a, a co-host, just Grab in case I've got to disappear. Uh, um, right. On. <laughs> just like funny, Spencer. That, that would be the, the best show ever if midstream you disappear <laughs> and then John has to grab the controls and he goes, uh, does anybody else want to fly the plane with me? <laughs> He's used to it. Uh, um, he was my co-host for almost a year. He, he, nothing could phase him after that. Uh, um, so let's get on with the first story. WP Campus selects Canon LLC for Gutenberg Accessibility Audit. Complete report expected in February. What did you think, Spencer? I mean, this is just part of the, this is part of the whole process. You know, there's a transparency <laughs> issue accessibility, blah, 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 is kind of the key component that this should have been thought out before, but now they have to make some remedial measures. So, you know, whenever a finger is pointed at any corporation for wrongdoing, the best way to remedy it when the, you know, the fixtures come in is we need to get a third-party audit here so that there will be no question as to the validity of what we're saying. And that's just what it sounds like. Um, It's all good. I mean, I feel very comfortable with what we talked about last week, that you know, Morth- uh, Morton and Rachel and whoever joins them are on the case of the, you know, accountability, including the accessibility issues. So this is just a little extra 
log on the fire. Yeah, they're bloodhounds. The bloodhounds right. of accessibility. What do you reckon, John? Yeah. Um, now that we had WordCamp US, uh, now it's time to get the accessibility audit that you know had to be put off and, until we launched 5.0. Uh, it's it's long overdue. There's definitely a lot of uh, things to be worked out. I guess we'll wait and see what the audit says. Uh, but one of the big selling points of WordPress has been that you know they democratize publishing and they fight for the user and it's been accessible. So uh, going forward, hopefully, whatever they, they do with Gutenberg and, and WordPress uh, 5 is accessible and they're able to clean up any of the, any of the issues that they've had in the past. Yeah. What do you reckon, Jake? Also, have you ever heard of these people? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have a, a whole lot to add there. Um, I mean, I know there's a lot of drama around the accessibility thing, but I didn't get too deep into that fight. Um, it's good that they're finally doing it. It seems like they've got it organized. Um, yeah, we'll just see what the report says. Yeah, have you heard of these people, Tanon? No, I've never heard of them. Any of the, what about you, John and uh, Spencer? No, but you know it's one of those things. Like I almost don't care because yeah. I want to tell you. I want to tell you a story. Go we, tell us a story, Uncle Spencer. <laughs> Once upon a time, um, one of the things that I think is really true about the internet and about sales in general is that <clears throat> people want to be given a story they believe. Right? That's the whole idea. We all are. We want a, a parental figure to tell us it's going to be okay. And what I found is there's companies that legitimately built great businesses on appearances of authentic security, such as T-H-W-A-T-E, that company that if I say it, I giggle because I don't know what they were thinking, but I think they're trying to say thought. But if you say T-H-W-A-T-E, it comes out of something else. Their whole thing for many years was to put a, you know, a VeriSign type of a little security badge at the bottom of a page. And companies would pay hundreds of dollars to have that icon. And I, to this day, continue to have clients come to me who say, don't I need to have an identity security badge at the bottom of their site? And I say, sure, give me $250. And I put a, you know, a lab certified, you know, image that I drew myself that says, I certify that this is an SSL site. You're all good to go. They're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> so this is to me like a multi-million dollar version of that, which is that we know whether accessibility works or not because the people using the site will let us know. But having a third-party audit of it is sort of besides the point, isn't it? I mean, like, honestly, this is all just a showmanship kind of thing. But that's what has to be done because people want to be told it's okay, the money was spent, and everything will be better, and then we forget about it and go on to the next thing. Right, yo. Right, yo. Right. <laughs> on to the next story. There you go. Um, caution. Caution. GoDaddy is adding unwanted JavaScript to websites. Goodness gracious, I'm so shocked. Are you shocked, Jake? Um, no. <laughs> and actually, I don't really see, like, I mean, everybody's been sharing this the last few days. And if you look at Igor's initial post, he even says at the bottom, it turns out that wasn't causing a problem at all. Um, he noticed it because there was a missing source map for GoDaddy's file that shows up in his little JavaScript console. It didn't actually cause him any problems. And I can't find any examples of anybody else who's had any real problems with it. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's 
usually cheaper hosting. They're managing massive infrastructure. And yeah, what they say is true. Like having a bit of JavaScript that loads lets them actually see what load times are like for real visitors on the site. And that probably helps them in load balancing their servers and all sorts of other optimization stuff behind the scene. Um, like I checked, like WP Engine doesn't put a script on the front of your site, but you know that like they're doing all sorts of things in the back end in terms of like putting you into these different caching systems and moving your data around different data centers to optimize it. And I mean, they're pulling just as much data, if not more, out of their user accounts. So, I mean, like, and you wouldn't want to make it, I think to make it opt-in by default makes sense because most people aren't going to want to, or even going to go looking for something that helps GoDaddy. So opt everybody in by default. Hopefully it improves the speed of the service you're providing. And then if people don't want to use it, there's an easy way to opt out. I don't really have a problem with it. Now, Spencer, why do you think this becomes such a big story? People hate well, GoDaddy. Well, they hate GoDaddy, don't they? That's about it, isn't it? I Jack took the words out of my mouth, by the way, which I was about to say. WP Engine... If this is like a turkey sandwich, WP Engine is shoving a turkey up people's keister. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a whole folder of stuff, JavaScript. They change your config PHP file. They have literally a caching thing that you have to disable. So when we've taken clients off of WP Engine and rescued them from some of that stuff, and by the way, WP Engine isn't all bad. I mean, this happened to Pagely and other places. It's part of the deal you make with these guys managed hosting or some kind of a hosting relationship where you get it all in one dashboard, how the heck else are they supposed to do these things? They're not magicians or, you know, sorcerers. They have to put the stuff in your site. So I don't even know why the story's here. But just mm-hmm. to say to people, make the deal with the people you trust and let them do the things they do. Don't sit there and look in the kitchen when they're making your lunch. You might not like what you see. <laughs> just sit at the table, wait for it to be brought out to you, and that's it. Yeah, John, do you think it's just because it was GoDaddy or do you think there was some rightful criticism of this particular uh, bit of news? Well, like like everybody said, I think everybody's looking for a reason to pile on GoDaddy. They, for whatever reason, people love to hate GoDaddy. They're the lying, lion-killing, woman-objectifying, <laughs> uh, you know, nefarious... <laughs> Hosting company. It was all yeah, of the lies. So this is back, just proof. Back the elephants. Just like, proof that they're up to their evil ways again. Bob Parsons is long gone, right? Like he's not even there anymore. He's, he's, still, he's on still, the board. That old croak is still on the ball. Is he? Yeah, he's, he's with like, Jimmy. He's with Jimmy John Letourneau, the founders of Jimmy John's. Who I actually knew when he started that second store. He, he was a guy who hung out at the end of our block. And those guys are following the same path. It's like, hey man, I made the money. I'm an you know, I'll do what I want. But I do think from a business standpoint that their personal business has had a lot to do with why people don't like GoDaddy on top of the sort of spammy, scammy way that they do the whole checkout now, which is just absurd, like lying right to your face, like your site is set to expire. And then you get the message. Says, Lots of dark auto renewed <laughs> yesterday. You know, it's yeah. like, what the hell? <laughs> that's where this comes from for sure. Like anybody's looking for a reason to go after them. So. Uh, it was the video of bagging the mother elephant, and she's got a little baby elephant, and it's, and it's kind of when he when he bags it and kills it, the baby elephant's just, you know, it's pathetic, and he's yeah. pathetic. He's pretty pathetic as well. Uh, right. 
People will ask me, what's, well, what's wrong with my GoDaddy hosting? I just send them that link to, well, they kill lions and elephants. And they're like, oh, yeah, I can't support that. Where are we moving to? <laughs> <laughs> Where are we moving to? I don't yeah. want to support a, a mother killing motherfucker like him. Uh, right, <laughs> there we go. Uh, right. <laughs> oh, God. No, but I just can't stand the bastard. Uh, Rob, there we go. He's going to see me. Good luck. Uh, Rob, all my money's offshore, so there we go. Fuck you. Uh, Rob, <laughs> fuck you. Jonathan on cold medicine show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like, I'm not that bad. I'm just, just... High alcohol content in the uh, nightclub today. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, on to the next one. Visual Composer website builder announces the GPL compatibility. What did you think of this one, Spencer? Yeah, I have a couple things to say about Visual Composer. First <laughs> I'll of all, bet you have. I'll bet you have. <laughs> you guys especially, but really Jack too knows me. I am not one to hold my tongue when I get uh, worked up. I don't really understand what's going on with Visual Composer because, for example, all day long every day, Divi, Beaver Builder, Elementor, Gutenberg, right? Those are the big four, let's say, in play. Whenever somebody brings me something that's like <clears throat> Thrive, Builder or <coughs> Visual Composer, I sort of ask myself, like, what's going on here? The fact that they're just making a news story about like going GPL in 2019 in their in the WordPress space is like, where have you? What time machine did you just come in on or something? Like, where have you been for the last 12 years? So I don't even know why this is a story. The only person that this reminds me of that would be comparable would be like Stu McLaren, who's a great businessman, but he got a pass on the fact that. Uh, his membership plugin was not GPL for a billion years. And I don't know if that ever changed. Jack might know. But other than him, it's like everybody else was just, hello, it's WordPress. Why are you not on GPL? So, yep. What do you reckon, Jake? Well, um, I don't know. I was looking around actually this morning. Does, do any of you guys know what their license was before? I think it was locked up code. That's what I think was going on. No, because I mean, sure. I've, I've worked with it. And I, I mean, the code was open and readable. I never checked oh, to what? see what the actual license included with it was. But I almost wonder if this is, because I mean, they mentioned here in this release, like about using the Visual Composer API to, you know, integrate with them. I wonder if they're almost trying to like uh, you get some of the attention that Elementor and Beaver Builder are getting for being like really developer-friendly page builders that can be extended and modified for client projects. Um, it's, it's a really confusing and awful plugin. <laughs> I think they should just give up. Like, it'll just immediately slow your site down as soon as you install it. And then you're in the admin and you're trying to pick from like 160 different colorful widgets. Like, do I want a post gallery slider or a gallery post slider? It's like, I don't know. So, I mean, obviously they're trying to stay in business and... Um, going GPL looks good, and now uh, you can fork us on GitHub, so maybe some more developers will come along and they won't be uh, seen as yeah. quite as old school. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they're just thrashing around, but I think, yeah. I think their days are numbered. What do you reckon, John? Yeah, I, you know, something that you guys said just is sparked a thought in my mind. And <clears throat> where a visual composer has uh, been popular is on Envato. You know, Theme yeah. Forest, which is, you know, outside of, you know, the, the people who actually do development, um, that's kind of the popular way to build websites. Uh, so I think they see the writing on the wall with Gutenberg, 
uh, on the scene and WordPress.com is probably at some point going to uh, control all the Gutenberg blocks and things like that. And the other page builders that are on the market, uh, Elementor, Beaver Builder, uh, as Spence said, Divi is hella popular. These ones uh, are out there right now. And I think they're just trying to stay relevant because I think themes at some point, their importance is going to be greatly diminished. So this could be a play just to kick up some positive PR and maybe uh, get out of that theme forest market and into the, uh, you know, hardcore developer market. You know, you bring up a, oh, I'm sorry. He brings up a good point, which triggered my memory. I had a conversation with Collis, uh, the founder of Ambato and his brother, back when they did that thing and it it escaped my memory. They had a big fuss. It was like four years ago, five years ago about the new special GPL exception because that before that everything was like their own, you know, our licensing. And then they had so much kickback from the WordPress community about like, how the hell is it possible that you can take stuff that if you sell it in Envato, it's no longer viable for the repository. If it's in the repository, it can't be on Envato. So they made a special, that's the second backroom deal I can mention besides what I just said with Stu. It was the special Envato split license where the author could choose how to sell the plugin. And you had these insane things, which I think still exist, where if you do it as a single site license and it's some place, it's $50. But if you go for the unlimited, which should have been the normal GPL, it's $5,000 or something for the theme. And I agree with John's premise, which is this has nothing to do with the code, which answers Jack's predicament of like, well, it was really open. Anyway, it's all about the business license. They're saying, we're finally going to let you have the open source version of this thing instead of it being locked up into the shenanigans that one copy is 50, two copies is $5,000. I think the 5,000 thing was, um, so if you were buying a theme, you could pay a really large sum to get either, I think you would get like exclusive access to it. Like they would just shut up all sales and it would be your theme or something. No, um, you could build it in, I think it was. You could build or it in. Yeah, maybe, you, maybe you could white, or yeah, you could resell you it. You could build commercial it. products on it. That was what yeah. That was the value. Yeah, was right, right. It. Okay, okay, yeah. So, right. But either uh, way, it was... You know what I'll say to that... <laughs> It was ridiculous, you know. I mean, it's such a surprise. You know, they're going to get five grand for me. I, I, if any, I feel sorry for the poor bug that coughed up five grand to those pirates. Uh, um, but good luck to. But uh, there's always a bug, isn't there? Isn't there, Uncle Spencer? I think that's how Wu Themes originally got hold of Jigo Shop. They bought one copy and then they paid five grand for it, and that's it. <laughs> they got unlimited use the code. But, that was a good buy, was it? Five grand, 30 million? Five grand into you know, 20 million users, yeah. You know what I love about all this? This is a good day for this conversation since you're very unable to alliterate on your normal things. Is that <laughs> this is a great example of how the market forces take care of themselves. We see this across all kinds of you things in our society. You must be. No, listen, listen, my premise is this is a great example of you can be as big of a D-bag as you want with your customers when you have control over who can get the tools. But what is happening, at least in this WordPress ecosystem, is it's allowing people to kind of race against the platforms towards that ultimate goal that we see happening by just using the open source GPL against those that don't play nicely. Because you could only get away with that for so long until people just start to go, what are you talking about? I'm not going to pay $5,000 for a theme. I'm going to use a blankety-blank theme in Elementor or Divi. And go F yourself, you know, that's the point. 
you know, when they came out with that, I thought, you must be kidding, aren't you? Five grand, good luck to you. God, I, I, I have no idea if anybody actually coughed up five grand. Yeah. I, I feel sorry for the poor, but they have the police. I'm sure there. they did for Visual Composer because all of those themes that bundle Visual Composer, they would have had to buy that resale license from Visual yeah. Composer. So, I mean, those guys are making millions of dollars. They, uh, yeah, it just shows you, God. The only ones that could get away with stuff were the ones like I mentioned, Stunati's a bad guy. He's moved on to other stuff. But when they locked it up, Jack, remind me, there was a, I forget the name of the program. It had a funny name, but you could lock up your code with it and it required you to have a certain thing on the server. But the, oh, yeah, IonCube, yeah. IonCube. Only yeah. those that use that IonCube loader and force the servers to have that could really keep the code locked up. But yeah. in the world of being able to access the code, it's almost funny. I had a couple plugins that we bought recently to test that were designed offshore and they didn't have GPL. And it was like, come on, guys, seriously, it's not INCube. I can see right here where you're loading in your registration thing. It's like, why are you even bothering to do this? Anybody who would want to steal your code will steal your code. But for the regular people who just want to use it, like, what is the benefit here anymore of, mm -hmm. you know, it's like forcing your paying customers to do jumping jacks or something like that. So, silly. Sure. All right, we're going to go for our break, folks. But beforehand, I want to talk about one of our great sponsors, and that is WP Fusion. And what is WP Fusion? I'm tempted to let Jake explain it, but I'm going to have an attempt. It basically, in your technology stack, your WordPress, and you should be using WordPress for your learning management system membership site. Um, and then you should have a CRM, like Active Campaign Drip. There's a number of them. Well, WP Fusion puts that those two key technologies and put some on steroids. And when you've got a learning management system and membership or e-commerce, you can do some amazing stuff. I haven't got time to go through all the stuff you can do. Go to the WP Fusion website and they've got great tutorials which will show you the possibilities and they will just freak you out. Also, um, Jake and his team have been really gracious and offered the WP Tonic viewers and listeners a great exclusive offer. If you go to their website and buy one of their packages and put in the coupon code WP Tonic, all one word, uppercase, you get 25% of any of their packages. And that's only exclusively offered on this show. Right, we're going to go for our break now, folks. And when we come back, we're going to delve in some more into the latest stories, WordPress and the internet in general. We'll be back in a moment. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up-to-date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. I mean, back. I'm doing well. If I get through this without dying, I consider that a success. Uh, um, all right. So web design Development Myths 2019 edition. What did you think of this one, Jake? Um, well, I mean, Web Dev Studios is pretty reputable, but of course, everybody is always writing posts about this is cool now and this isn't cool anymore. So I take it with a bit of grain of salt. Um, 
you know, I don't know. I have, I have one accordion section on my site. I look at how it's responded using Hotjar to see like how people are clicking. And they do, they do click on it. Most people do because um, it sort of expands details that maybe not everybody would want to see. I see the points he's making here, though. Um, like put all your information up front. Don't make people go digging for it. That's fine. External links in a new tab. I do that too. Um, I might, I might change that. I don't know. It's, I, I guess I, I'm kind of curious because like when I click anything, I almost open every link in a new tab anyway. Um, so I'm not sure how regular people do that. I've got like my middle click on my mouse for, for a new tab link. Um, so I'd actually, I wonder if there's some way I can see like how often people are new tabbing around the same site or leaving it. But um, I remember, I remember those insane conversations 10 years ago. I used to have with the odd client and oh, they click a link and it takes them away from the website. I don't want yeah. <laughs> I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want that. <laughs> you idiot of a designer. I had one CEO, she was an alcoholic, and I had a chief financial <laughs> officer in a meeting with two of, two of her juniors, and she'd been on the spirit. I, I didn't know, but that morning she'd been on the spirit, and um, she she called, I, I won't, she could be an effing idiot when I, I pointed out that it, there was a link and it went off to an external site. <laughs> yeah um yeah i don't know generally I, I agree with all this stuff i mean when you make a website it should have the things on it that visitors want to see those things should be uh easy to find the important stuff should be at the top uh yeah i agree i agree with all of that <laughs> anything else no that's it uh, what about you, John? There must be more in there. It was an extensive. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> oh yeah, I'm gonna bust out. It'll be a bloody short episode, otherwise. But we got the. <laughs> no, I'm gonna bust out, and I'm gonna say that I agree with probably seventy percent of this article. But there's a couple <laughs> things that I want to point out, and I'm not trying to be a nitpicker here, but uh, so in in the first section after the intro, it says that if it says basically that Google cannot see um, your page if it's rendered in, in JavaScript or if things are hidden in JavaScript. Now, there's an important distinction there. So if, the, the, if there's elements in the page that are rendered in JavaScript, what happens is Googlebot will make a couple passes on the page. And they've gotten a lot better about rendering um, and indexing elements that are uh, created in JavaScript like that, but it's going to depend on what the crawl budget is for your site. For the most part, you're going to be better off if uh, those page elements appear if you remove JavaScript, if it's just HTML and CSS. That part is true. Okay, but the part where it says that Google does not see things that are hidden with uh, JavaScript, like accordions or tabs, that has not been true for about three years. Google does see those things. It does index them. It actually indexes a lot of things. Uh, it, it'll index things that are hidden with CSS display none. It indexes what's in your accordion. It indexes what's in your tabs. So that part is untrue. And I, I think that a lot of people pick this these things up from SEO blogs, and it, that has not been true for about three years. 
Now, the second thing that I, I want to point out here, there's a lot of good advice such as don't bog down your site with sliders. Uh, don't bog down your site with big images and uh, things like that. But there's a section here where it's talking about things that are above the fold, saying that Google prioritizes uh, words and content that are above the fold. So if you want to uh, have better SEO, have those words above the fold. Now, there's two elements to this. First is, which fold are you talking about? The imaginary fold on uh, 10,000 different devices with different screen resolutions? Is that the fold you're talking about? Um, the second thing with that is, is if that were true, all we would need to do to rank is keyword stuff that, you know, top paragraph, with key, you know, just keyword stuff it to hell. And that is not true. What Google does prioritize is words that appear toward the top of the page in the DOM. So in the document object model, the HTML, like whatever that the headline in the first you know, a few paragraphs there. That's what it's going to prioritize. Uh, but it's going to look at everything on the page. It's going to look at what's in the, the subheadlines and, you know, the body text to get an idea. Now, what Google does prioritize is the page rendering above the fold. That is probably what they meant to say. So they want you to have that initial screen, like, load fast. So if there's elements below that, then that's not as much of a priority. But what they want is when people first go to that page, the screen that they see to render quickly. That yeah. is probably what they meant to say. Well, well they want, you know, they've been saying the same stuff for years, isn't it? You know, they've got a total focus on mobile. Mm -hmm. They want stuff to be presented on mobile quick, effectively. And they want, you know, that's what Google wants. What do you reckon, Spencer? Yeah, I think the distinction on this is his advice was not specific to Google, but I take the things John say as being factual as well. If somebody is trying to do a Google-pleasing exercise, you need to follow those rules. I'll take the other spin on it, which is there's three parts of this that I see every day that are more of a please the customers who are going to pay your money part. Number one is the top of your page, whatever it is on any mobile device, the first thing people see should be like a billboard on the highway, Okay. It should have three things. This is your pain. This is what I do to solve your pain. And this is what you need to do right now. If they see that, regardless of what else goes along with it in the format and, you know, video, no video, et cetera, that's the thing that's important, regardless of what Google talks about. And those are just left for another day. Number two, sliders are dead. They're D-E-A-D -E dead. Nobody is sitting around waiting for the next slide before they scroll down your page. It just, it's, it's an incompatibility of common sense, right? You're at an intersection that has a straight ahead. It does not have wait for trains to passing by while you're sitting there, you know, for things to happen. So just get rid of sliders from your head. Some people very effectively use motion video, you know, lower resolution video or uh, the MOV files or that other format with, you know, the HTML5 compatibility. Those done properly are actually useful because they can convey a story. In fact, yesterday I was looking at a hotel where I wanted to feel like, what's the experience? They had a, a drone video of the hotel, like pulled out, and I could see where it was in relationship to the surroundings. I thought that was like a really good use of that video space because I actually sat there and watched the header as if I was watching a video. And Jack and I have had debates a long time about in a tech world, 
do tech people sit there and watch videos? Do marketing people watch videos? I argue the clients do. Jack maybe feels otherwise, but the point is <laughs> that's a good way to solve that issue. If you have an attractive short video, I did a camp website for that, showed the camp. You can sit there and watch it or not. Third thing is, is as far as the uh, uh, design first, okay? How should you build sites? Drives me crazy in 2019 that everybody is still having a conversation about desktop development on my, you know, Bitnami, and then I'm going to upload it to the site. I'm like, hey, how is it exactly you're figuring out what this is going to look like on your desktop when you don't have the real images, the real copy, anything? Come on. The whole point is you can't know what shape a balloon is until you pour water or air or helium into it. How the hell are you going to know what your website's going to look like with some lorem ipsum, you moron? Do a live site. It takes five seconds to have a synchronization automatically happen on almost every website today. And even if it's just for the purposes of getting a feel for it, start with that first. So those are my three points. Yeah, I think they're great points. I think the other point is is not a clear understanding that different types of visitors at different stages of the buying process will treat your website in very different ways. You know, um, the idea, if they're really doing a real search of possible companies that they might hire, um, they do a general search. Then they, the ones that they think their website looks professional or whatever, they emotional feeling it induces, they bookmark them. And then it's been well proven. They go back multiple times. And each time they delve deeper and deeper into the website, now that's been scientifically proven. You know that they, 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 they if they're a real serious possible um, client, or you know, they do a lot of research because it's so easy, isn't it? You know, they delve in and they see your frequently asked questions, and they do a real depth dive. What do you reckon, John? Do you think I'm just talking crap, or do you think that's about right? <laughs> No, I think what you're saying is correct. Uh, how your website uh, looks, how you, people interact with it, it really makes a difference. You can't just throw up a basic bitch website and ex- expect to have conversions when your competitors are all investing, uh, you know, ten or twenty or thirty grand in a new website. Um, it, things that make that emotional connection are going to convert at a higher rate and people are going to connect with them. And it's how you're representing your business. So if you have, um, you know, Spencer was mentioning uh, a video showing what the experience of your facility is like, that's going to be good. So, yeah, I I do think there's a lot to that design and uh, the the UX matters a lot. Because it's always been a contradiction. You know, they say you've got five seconds you know, most people don't come back. Well, most of them, because the the SEO, the copy, um, you never you never niche to find enough, and you never niche to find your copies. So a lot of the traffic that went to the site's not interested in what you're offering. That's why they never come back. But the I people- think it's <laughs> Google thing too, right? Like the Google thing is, if you feel you're going to find the people organically, you pay attention to Google. 
I've always been an advocate, of course, that you're going to find your audience elsewhere. But then when they come to your page, that's where those things about like the experience for them, is it for them, the tabs or not. If they found you, they're attracted to your billboard that says, you know, hungry, we got burritos, turn right at the next exit. They're going to bookmark it. They're going to come back and look at the menu and sit around or whatever. And that has nothing to do with whether they found you on Google or found you anywhere. So the two things are separate. One is just how to make Google show people you're there. But if you get people there otherwise, you definitely have to orient the whole thing to what's convenient. As far as tabs today, I mean, it's sort of secondary. If you're on a phone, it's going to show you the tab and you know how to get back. And I like opening things in tabs for the exact reason that people in the old days said, don't take them away. I want to make it easier for people not to lose the homepage that they were at. If I want to tell them a point, I open it in a tab, then they can always close the tag and the tab and they're right back where they started. Exactly. Otherwise they got to go like, Oh Jesus, where was I on this whole thing? Yeah. And I mean, he says, you know, oh, they can always just hit the back button to get back to your site, but they might go over to this other site you're linking out to and read through 20 or 30 pages on there. And now they're like, oh, where was I back on that site? You open up your browser history and trying to figure out how to get back. So, right. Exactly. Okay. All right. So we're going to have, have our finishing section. Um, any plugins, themes, software, anything that you come across during the week that you think our listeners might be interested in? Let's start with John. If you come across anything that might be of interest. Yeah, there's a site um, out there, and it's a little bit older. I don't know if it's actively maintained, but... I mean, Panda, please put the URLs in chat. Um, yeah, I will. And then I'll make sure they're in the show notes. Anyway, this site is called Varvi.com, and it's based off the uh, quality rater guidelines from Google from about two or three years ago. But it's a good site to just kind of do a basic check. It's not going to be like a, a complete uh, rundown, but you can throw your uh, URL in there, and it will tell you certain things, uh, such as whether it's... Uh, mobile friendly, whether it's accessible, whether the tap targets are the right size, you've got XML and HTML sitemaps. It's just good for cleaning up uh, some of the low-hanging fruit with technical SEO. So Sounds interesting. What about you, Jake? Yeah, I didn't know this question was coming, so I don't have a list of Sorry, I forgot to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> I come across all sorts of cool stuff, but I don't uh, just keep it out of my desk. Um, Jack, show them, show them that copywriter site. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I, I'll screen share with you today. This guy, Spence and I were just, this is a great, probably the best site I've ever seen for a copywriter. I'll, uh, I'll screen share it so the viewers can see. Let's see. There you have my screen. Yep. So this guy is a copywriter. And down here at the bottom, you can see his uh, different copywriting styles between less hard sell and more hard sell. So we can take it all the way down to the very beginning. We got, so yeah, I'm a freelance copywriter. What of it? We can go a little more hard sell. Feel free to ignore this. But if you need a fairly experienced freelance copywriter, I might be worth a try. By then, we can take it up here and see some more hard sell styles. <laughs> you get in my zone now. Now the text starts to get read. The agency you're pitching against, you could book me. Dare you take that risk? Get in touch now. Then we're moving on up. You great daily rates. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then up all the way at the end here, we have Spence level. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, flashing. Yeah, that's the flashing. Oh, my God. I apologize oh, yeah. to any of the listeners. <laughs> 
Spits <laughs> <laughs> uh, you probably yeah, do so we the cobra or something. We that this morning, and I thought that was like a great example of explaining what you do really, really effectively, and also showing off Joe your abilities. A, Joe is a student of mine, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, actually. All right, Spencer. All right, I love this tool for a million reasons. This is called Whimsical. It's at whimsical.co. What I love about this is this is one of those things that I've seen. I saw it a hundred times before, but well, share, actually, your, share your screen of it. I don't know. Uh, you share it. Let me just put it on it. Jack, show it up there because uh, I have mine logged into a client's thing and I have to undo it to get out of it. All right, what sure. it does is it, it has multi parts, but it allows you, if you're doing marketing automation, if you're doing wireframing, if you're just trying to figure out something, it's one of those wireframe tools that there's like 8,000 varieties of these. But this one just works really well. It's incredibly simple and free. And in any kind of sense where you're working between WordPress and, a, let's say, a, a checkout process or a CRM or marketing automation, we build and design everything. The best, the best feature I love about it is because it's free. You make something for a client or for team members, you can share it, and then they can work on the live screen either, you know, uh, you know, with you or on their own. It's not like the wheel but it's a definite great reinvention of the wheel. And for us, it's invaluable because we, I use this particularly when I'm making tutorial videos or for client presentations. I'll say, here's the whole architecture what we put together between WordPress, WP Fusion, your CRM, the membership plugin, the this, this is how the sales process. And then I could just zoom in in the video and you can see that in a lot of my stuff. And I could just move along on the thing. It's like one of these, you know, really sexy, easy to use tools. Um, so, it doesn't cost anything, so check it out if you otherwise need something to help you figure stuff out or show it to people. Yeah, I've been using this as well. It's quite nice. Yeah. Oh, it looks, looks interesting. Looks interesting. Um, right. We're back. Right, so I think we're going to wrap it up. I managed to survive. This is short and sweet, but I think we covered a lot of interesting stuff. Spencer, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? Yeah, if you'd like a free call to learn more about how to do any kind of, you know, profitable WordPress membership site, especially with marketing automation, I'm at wplaunchify.com or on YouTube at slash wplaunchify. Right. And John, how can people find out more about you and that? Yeah, definitely. You can find me at my website, which is lockdownseo.com. Uh, and I have a blog there that you can read. You can also check me out on my YouTube channel. Uh, just search hashtag LockdownSEO. Uh, we just put out a video today. How much does uh, how much does a mobile friendly website boost your web uh, your uh, SEO? Sounds great. John, I am not John, I am Jake. <laughs> um, you can find uh, WP Fusion at WPFusion.com. And we also have a pretty active and exciting uh, Facebook group now for people who are doing online courses, memberships, marketing automation. And that group is called Marketing Automation for WordPress with WP Fusion. That's great. And uh, listeners and viewers, um, Cindy Nicholson and myself, my co-host on the Wednesday show, are doing a webinar on um, January the Thursday the 31st this month at 9am Pacific Standard Time. We're going to be covering um, seven things that you need to know to build an effective course. And we'll be covering a load of free stuff and it's going to be amazing. Now, 
if you go to WP Tonic Backstroke webinar, you can re- register and join us live for the webinar. And the reason why you want to, it's just going to be a lot more fun. And secondly, anybody that's still um, one person of the live group at the end of the webinar, I will be giving a year support package, one of WP Tonic's um, support packages. What that in, one of the individuals will receive that free of charge. And also everybody else will receive a free PDF, which Cindy is developing right now. It should be a fun webinar. Um, both me and Cindy are reasonably easygoing. It depends on how much drugs I'm on. But hopefully I won't be dying during the webinar like I've been doing this show. Um, hopefully you found some value. I, I thought it was a great show. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.